When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of GC Live Afternoon Drive. It is Thursday, December 7th, 2023. I am Mike and We appreciate you guys tuning in as we wrap up week one of the transfer portal officially being open. Of course, it was it, it opened up on Monday, but we saw plenty of names hop in before that, outside of from uh, the FBS that were non-grad students. And as you've seen throughout the week, the number of players that are currently in the portal, that number continues to go up. There are well over a 1,000. When we're talking about FBS players, there are about, or probably now, because I haven't looked at it um, as far as all divisions, but I'm assuming that number on all divisions, if it isn't already, it's close to 3,000, because it was about 300 underneath that mark. It's about 2,700 on all divisions yesterday, and that number just continues to go up. All right, what's on the docket today? It's been a little less... Circusy today in comparison to what we've seen even going back to last Thursday. But we will give you the latest on what we know. What we do know is you guys want some good news. And I know you guys want some good news as far as, all right, who who's South Carolina bringing in from the transfer portal? That will come. That stuff will come in the next, I'd say, week or so. And the reason why I say that is because when you look at it, when you look at where things are, right? South Carolina, they wrap up their season, but we're now just about two weeks away, two weeks ago, excuse me. Then the transfer portal officially opened up on Monday. Now, there's no question that throughout college football, tampering goes on. But having said that, we're at a point now where you have at least a week to gather yourself. You start to see, okay, who has entered the portal? There could be some surprises, right? One guy that we'll talk about in just a little bit, Mario Anderson. We have an update on Mario's status. We will get into that in a little bit. But I bring that up because there's going to be surprises. There's going to be some twists. There's going to be some turns that coaches are going to have to consider when they go into the portal. Now, certainly, when you're talking about Power 5 football, you're going after some of the best players out there, right? And it's not even about where they came from necessarily. Okay, yeah, if they came from a Power 5 school, what was the production like at the school they were previously at? Were they a guy who didn't have the production? Did they uh, play behind guys that were just really talented? And that's one of the reasons why they entered the portal. Or are they one of those players that are coming up from a Group 5 school or maybe an FCS school like we've seen? And as I've talked about numerous times here on this program, that – it's important to remember when we're looking at some of these these smaller level players when they're coming up, D2, FCS, Group 5, that 
some of these guys that are coming in, they only really might be a one-year rental. They might be two, two years tops in most cases. But a lot of these coaches are looking at those players and saying, hey, you know what? This guy has proven that he can play college football. Yes, it was at a lesser division, but he dominated at that level. Dominated at that level. And they look at him as maybe a little bit of a project early on, like we saw with Mario Anderson a little bit earlier in the season in some of the transfers we've seen in years past. Guy like Nate Atkins, right? And what he was able to do, especially down the stretch. So I bring those things up because I think that's important to keep in mind. I think that's important to keep in mind when we look at the transfer portal, not just from Monday when it opened up, throughout the rest of the week and rest of the month and heading into January. These are things you got to keep in mind as to why South Carolina could be going after certain players. Because like I've said before, personally, I'd rather have a player that has dominated at the FCS level for two years than bring someone in who has rode the bench. He was a four-star coming out of high school, and he went to Florida or he went to Kentucky. Yeah, great. The headlines, that sounds great, but I'd rather see some type of production when you're looking at guys like that. That's not to say if you can't if you can bring in a guy like obviously Spencer Rattler, what USC has been able to do in the past. And I'm not specifically saying that about the quarterback position. I'm just saying that in general. Then of course you go out there and do it. You know, we're we're gonna talk about Mario Anderson a little bit here, but we keep talking about Rocket, the running back over at Arkansas. And that's a player that I know a lot of Gamecock fans have been talking about. I mean, I was out yesterday. I was out yesterday, and people were asking me about Rocket, wondering if South Carolina has a chance to be able to bring in Rocket Sanders. We will keep you updated as far as where South Carolina stands with a lot of these players, but we will specifically talk about the running back position in just a little bit. Having said all that, let's start off with some good news today. And when I, we, we've been talking a lot about retention over the last couple of days, right? You, you've been seeing the announcements via Garnet Trust saying player X has signed with us. And as we talked about on Tuesday, we explained a little bit more what that necessarily means. But the reason why that's important into some, they're going to be like, you know, great. I thought this guy was already coming back. The reality is, and I've said this many times before, about this new era of college football we're in, it's not necessarily just NIL. It's a combination of NIL, transfer portal. Roster retention is so freaking important, and it shouldn't be overlooked. And I think a good portion of you already know that. But when we see these announcements, I think some, they look at it, and they're like, why is that a story? Great, I thought this kid was coming back. And that doesn't mean... Some of these players were thinking necessarily about leaving, right? For example, Big Tree. Big Tree just got a NIL deal with Garnet Trust signed yesterday. That doesn't mean that some of these players were thinking about leaving because certainly you're going to be taking care of some of your stars. And that's the way that I keep looking at it. It's the star treatment. Star treatment. Now, that's not to say, right, let's use a player, for example, Nick Eamon Worry, because I keep seeing his name pop up doing these shows. Well, when's Nick going to get his? And it's not to say some of these players aren't going to sign agreements with Garnet Trust. That doesn't mean if a player doesn't sign 
an agreement with Garnet Trust that they're leaving. But it shows you it's one part that allows you, as the fan, as the media, it shows us that they are going to be here next year. What goes into these contracts? Well, without getting into the legal mumbo-jumbo with stuff that I'm going to be honest with you, is well over my head. Let's just talk on, with simple terms. Bottom line is this. There's a contract in place. And without getting into some of the specifics, because some of it is continuing to evolve as Garnet Trust and other collectives continue to learn from past contracts, past experiences, if you're catching my drift. And they learn from that. And they have different language in there to protect themselves a little bit more than, say, where they have been in the past. So I bring those things up because what that necessarily, again, to just sum it up, why is that important? If you're a fan, why should you care about what's going on with those Garnet Trust NIL deals? These players are going to be back. Now, is there always a freaky kind of possibility that something crazy could happen? Yes. Okay? Yes. But 99% of the time with these players that sign these deals, everything's good. They're going to be back next season. You might always have an exception. That's why I don't want to sit here today and be like, yep, every play- everyone's going to be back, though, from our understanding, based on the contracts that they signed. And what do those contracts necessarily mean? Because some people have asked me that. They're NIL deals. So in those deals, at least from the past, the ones that I've been aware of, the majority of them, that might include signing some autographs, whether it be some pictures, whether it be some memorabilia, doing a couple of appearances, public appearances, and then also doing some interviews for Garnet Trust. And as some of you already know, some of those Garnet Trust interviews are on 107.5 The Game. Some of those Garnet Trust interviews are with us at Gamecock Central, and we have an opportunity to talk with some of those student-athletes. Not just football, but we're seeing obviously a lot with football because it's the off-season right now. And again, roster retention is very important. That should not be overlooked. You know, when we break it down in terms of the importance with college football, High school recruiting is still very, very important. It's still very important. I don't want people to think that it's not important anymore because it is. It's very important, especially when it comes to football. Basketball might be a little bit different, right? You're seeing the things that Lamont Paris is doing from a basketball standpoint, and I'll use basketball for example, but the numbers are so much different, right? You have, what, 15 guys on a roster for, the, for, for basketball? Football, you have over 100. 85 guys are on scholarship. So I bring these things up because when we look at roster retention, especially from a football standpoint, it's important that you're able to continue to keep these guys here. Now, that's not to say that's not important in other sports, but we're looking at high school recruiting. That's important for football. Roster retention, that's important. Because I hear so many people talk about the recruiting element with high school, and then it goes into the transfer portal. How important that is, because that is. But you should not overlook retaining your own roster. Now, having said that, and I mentioned this at the beginning, I'm not saying you have to be a fan of that. Quite frankly, a little bit of it, I think, is a joke. I think that's a joke. And I have my thoughts on NIL. I have my thoughts on the transfer portal. I have my thoughts on roster retention and 
where we are really with all of this and the mess that it's created. And I'll get into that in a little bit. I've mentioned it before in the past, but we'll really dig into it today. If you guys have any thoughts on it, feel free to chime in and we'll throw up whatever you guys are sharing because I know there's a bunch of comments that are already coming in and I don't want to get too backtracked with some of the messages. We'll throw them up there. But being able to retain the roster, whether you like it or not, whether you like the idea of where we are with college football, the reality is this is where we are now. So instead of kicking and screaming, instead of just yelling from your balcony at a cloud and getting upset or going on Twitter or X, whatever, the message boards, you can do it, have at it. You can do all those things I just mentioned. But it's not changing where things are at as far as where we are today. And I'm hoping as I get into my little spiel about NIL, Transfer Portal, all that fun stuff, that there will be some changes at some point in the near future. And that's not Mike saying, oh, Mike knows something's going to come. This is just more so wishful thinking. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Having said all that, roster retention, Debo Williams. In my opinion, the heart and soul of South Carolina's defense. Debo took to X a little while ago, sharing that he will be back for a fifth season. Now, the interesting thing when we talk about players like Debo is that he's going to be back for a fifth season. We're getting to that point now, as he tweeted out, jobs not finished, hashtag run it back. We're getting to the point now when you look at a lot of these players and when they came in, getting to a point where that COVID season and COVID season guys in that era is starting to fade away. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't see some outliers. Now, for example... Debo got here in 2020, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. So he's here for his fifth season. Okay. 2020 season, of course, was the COVID season. So I bring these things up because that's why we're starting to see some of the things that we're seeing as far as a roster standpoint and some of the numbers that you have to keep in mind. Now, I don't want to give people popsicle headaches, but you know, I mentioned Debo being in here during that COVID season, his first year. There are guys that came in during that COVID season in 2020, and then what happened? Well, they redshirted in 2021. Maybe they had an injury they suffered in, say, 2022 or even 2023. So the COVID season, the COVID season, that's going to continue to linger for the next couple of years. Again, despite the fact that a guy like Debo Williams is heading into his fifth year, taking advantage of the COVID season, there are other guys that it will linger for the next, say, three years in some cases. Could be even further if you have a very unique situation. Maybe a player not only redshirted, but he got hurt twice. So I bring those things up because when we look at where South Carolina is at from a roster standpoint, yes, there's a lot of players on this team who have only been here for, for a little bit, but then you also have some guys who have been 
for lack of a better phrase, they've been kind of stashed on the roster. They've been stashed in the depth chart simply because they've been here for quite some time. So I bring those things up because when we see some of the players that have entered the portal over the last week, and even going back to last week when some of those announcements were made, I'm not here to say when we're talking about a Juice Wells or, again, we'll get into Mario Anderson a little bit, or Mitch Jeter, I'm not here to say, yeah, you know what? Yeah, this team is so much better now. You got rid of, you know, some dead weight. No, 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 no. I'm not looking at it that way. Certainly not. Like every school right now throughout the country, minus the exception of the teams that are probably in the college football playoff for the most part, because even if you're someone towards the bottom of the depth chart, you have an opportunity to compete for a national championship and earn a ring, even if you are someone that's a fourth or fifth stringer. But the majority of the teams out there across the country right now, they're dealing, they're dealing with the same things that South Carolina is dealing with. Go look at Clemson, losing a pair of defensive backs, starting defensive backs. It's happening throughout college football. So that's not me trying to make you feel better if that's what you think I'm trying to do. It's just pointing out the reality that it's not just a you thing. Having said all of that, personally, I don't really care about what's going on at Clemson. I don't really care what's going on at the other schools. I want to focus on what do we have to do, and that would be my mission if I was the head football coach, on making sure that, especially the starters, that they stay. Now, obviously, as we all know, and I think the majority of you know, Shane can only do so much. There's certain things that Shane can't control, right? There's going to be some players that will come in there, and I can tell you from some stories that have took place, and it's not just South Carolina, but players are coming in, and they're talking with collectives, and they have a number in their head. Where they're getting that number from, some of them are just pulling it out of the air. Some of them are being told from maybe mommy, daddy, Uncle Joey, who hasn't been around in years, and now he's coming in telling, hey, go get the money. You just have some people that are getting in individuals' ears telling them what to do. You also have now another layer that you're going to have to deal with. And I think Gamecock fans started to see this yesterday. You have NIL agents. What is an NIL agent and how is that different from the NFL? Well, to sum it up, <laughs> we talk about so much gray area with the transfer portal and NIL and all that, right? Chalk this one up with gray area. You know, what's funny is I was speaking with my agent yesterday and I was telling him some of these stories about NIL agents. And he's represented NFL players. He's represented TV people, but a lot of former NFL players. And he just started laughing. And he's like, is that really a thing? He's like, what a freaking joke. So I bring that up because to me, I think more than anything, you have these NL NIL agents out there. Unless you have a big, big name guy, right, that's bringing in a lot of money. I really don't think you need to deal with an NIL agent. That's just my personal opinion. And that's not a shot at Mario Anderson. I know, again, because of the circumstances, the timeline, that's not a shot against him because he's not the only one that has one. But I'm just looking at this, and this is a story that has become a little bit more topical, at least in this community, simply because of what's took place over the last 24 hours, 48 hours. So I say that because I, I think more than anything, when you talk about 
when you talk about NIL and why would a player need an NIL agent, an agent is not, he's not, it's, he's going to be looking out for what's best for him. That's just the reality of it. He's going to be looking out what's for what's best for for him. Now you look at some of these bigger agents dealing with bigger players. It's a little different. And certainly the ones that have relationships in college and the purpose of why these NLI agents are coming around is they're trying to build relationships with some of these players so that when they do go to the NFL, that they'll hopefully want to sign with them. Having said all that, we know that's not going to be the case for all these guys. And even if they do get a camp invite, they're not going to make really any money. You're not going to be able to make money off them. So what are some of these NIL agents trying to do right now? Well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to make some money quick. Quick, quick, quick payday. So by signing some of these college athletes who might not be as educated on what is really going on, because having the word agent, oh, that sounds that sounds fancy. Yeah, I need an agent. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And some of these agents, again, will give people bad advice because, again, they're just trying to get a quick dollar. But going back to Debo. Heart and soul of the defense. You know, you look at what South Carolina has been able to do from a roster retention standpoint over the last couple of days, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I've been very impressed, very impressed with where they've been putting a lot of their attention. And that's not to say, again, let's just use Nick Eamon Worry, throw DQ Smith in there. That's not to say those guys won't get some deals soon. And that doesn't mean if they haven't signed an NIL contract that they're not coming back because There's been nothing that I've been told that would make me feel and think otherwise based on the information that has been shared with me. But when you look at what South Carolina did defensively towards the end of the season, the final three games, that's the only reason why you were in two of those games, the Kentucky game and the Clemson game, is because your defense, your defense set the tone. Unfortunately, against the Tigers, Offense wasn't able to get things going enough to be able to give you an opportunity to win it in the end. But the defense did. Being able to retain the guys up front, and now you're talking about Debo Williams. All right, you have a young pup, Howard, who gained a lot of experience this year. He'll be back. Stone Blanton had to do a lot. I know he was banged up. Probably had to play a little bit more than than what they originally were planning on using Stone. And then you look at what's going on in in the secondary. O.D. Fortune, Kilgore, Collier, just some of these young guys that are going to be back next season. Again, I'm just throwing out some names. Not every single one of these players have signed a NIL agreement with Garnet Trust, but as I mentioned before, that does not mean that they're not going to be back next season. Just means they haven't signed a deal yet. So I bring that up because, yes, at the end of the day, we're talking about a 5-7 and seven team. And there's going to be people out there that will say, well, yeah, you're going to get all excited about returning people that are on a 5-17. and 17. Yeah. I hear you. But at the same time, too, if I'm to sit here and say, okay, South Carolina is going to lose. Again, just bear with me here, hypothetically speaking. Debo's going to leave. He's going to go to the NFL couple of the defensive linemen, they're going to go into the portal. How are you feeling today now? How are you feeling today? Probably feel like absolute crap. Feel a hell of a lot worse. So 
yes, the reality was this was a five and seven team last year. The way they played defensively the final three games, that did not look like a five and seven team, at least from a defensive standpoint. We'll talk about the offense in a little bit. But I feel like all in all, what South Carolina has done this offseason has been pretty good up to this point. Again, you're going to lose guys. And I'm not here to say that things are all sunshine and rainbow. Because now with Mario leaving, and we'll again we'll get into Mario in a little bit with that news coming out yesterday. With Mario leaving, with Juice Wells leaving, with Mitch Jeter leaving. You're going to need to find someone to step up. And those are the three that really stand out to me. If you want to throw Omega Blake in there because Omega provided some depth, he started some games this year. If you want to do that, fine. I'm not losing sleep about South Carolina losing Omega Blake. And that's not to say the young man can't be a talented receiver. But when we're talking about the other guys on that list, and again, even throw in Mario if you want, I mean, come on, really? So when you look through the number of players at South Carolina, at least up until this point, I think that ballpark number, I think it's what, 16, 17 players. It's happening across college football. The reason why it's happening here, probably a little bit quicker, is simply because South Carolina is not in a bowl game. So you're seeing it happen a little bit more because some of these players are looking at it and be like, well, I was thinking about maybe playing in a bowl game if we were still in one, but we're not, so screw it. Throw my name into the mix, and I can enter the portal quicker. And I can get my name out there quicker. That's why you're seeing it happen. Maybe a little bit more, or at least it feels like that. These numbers were all will all pan out in the end, I promise you. They always do. They always do. And that's what we've seen over the last couple of years during this era of college football. An era that, as I've mentioned, I'm not a huge fan of. I have no problem with players getting paid. I have no problem with the NIL era outside of the fact that it's not an NIL problem that we have. You know, when we talk about what's the issue right now with college football, oh, NIL is ruining the sport. Is it? Is it? Is it really NIL or is there something more to it? And to me, when you take a step back, it's not NIL that's killing college football right now. It's NIL combined with how loose these transfer portal rules are. For example, you have, and there's going to be some situations that we just talked about that it it wouldn't necessarily fit the bill, but hear me out. You have fans that are worried that some players are going to leave year in and year out, right? We talk about the importance of roster retention. In this era that we're, we're living in right now with college football, that's why roster retention each year is so critical. And it's not just high school recruiting. It's not just going into the transfer portal and finding some of the best players up and off the street. No, that's not what it's about. It's not just about that. It's also being able to keep your team intact each season. Again, whether you like that or not, that's just the reality. Every team is having to deal with that in some shape, way, or form right now. But when you have NIL opportunities and you have some of these other schools ready to throw around some ridiculous numbers, Because what I think some people are missing with some of these players that are leaving, some, some of these players in their mind, they have a set number that they want to get paid. Okay. Now, I don't know what some of you guys do for work. 
But I'm sure, myself included, the guys I work with, I'm sure we'd all like to get paid a little bit more than what we make. Regardless, right? You could be making the most money in the world. You could be having a beautiful six-figure salary. Seven for some of you. I don't know. You could just be just raking in the money. Who wouldn't want just a little bit more? Who wouldn't want just a little bit more? So I say that because I think for some of these guys, they have these numbers in their head going back to, like I said, mommy, daddy, Uncle Joey, whoever, the girlfriend, the agent now, and they're telling them, you're worth this. You're worth a little bit more. And that's not to say they can't get something a little bit more at a different place. I mean, I think we'd all be naive. Some places have more than what South Carolina has, certainly. But I bring those things up to get to the whole point of where I'm going, which is if you're South Carolina, if you're one of these collectives, you only have X amount of money in the pot. X amount, right? And if everyone wants more than how you value them, how are you going to be able to pay everyone? I mean, even if this is a school, say, like Texas, I know we throw around Texas A&M a lot, right? The oil money. But even real, just realistically, right? Even places that we feel like have endless, endless amounts of money when it, for, for NIL. At some point, you're going to have to say, all right, well, we're not going to be able to give everyone exactly what they want. You know, some of the numbers that I see, and I said this earlier in the week on Gamecock Central, some of the numbers that I see that fans think players are getting paid makes me laugh. And the reason I say that is I have an I have a rough idea on how much money some of these players have been making. Juice Wells, what Mario Anderson has been offered. I have a, I have a rough idea. And I bring that up simply because some of these numbers are way off. And I think that's also one of the reasons why we are facing the problems that we're seeing with college football, but bringing it back to South Carolina, specifically talking about the Gamecocks, I think that's one of the problems right now. You have players, and some of these players are very, very good, and they deserve to get paid. But in their minds, because they're hearing things from on the outside, they're seeing stuff on X. I don't think any of them are subscribers of Gamecock Central, but if they want to, all it takes is a buck right now to sign up for the first month. You can sign up today and get half off for the first year. But they're seeing and hearing all these numbers, and I think they're being a little misled. So when they sit down and they have a negotiation with the collective, they're being told, all right, this is the number that we view you to be. And in their head, they're like, wait a minute, that number is way off. Right. Let's just make up numbers, make up numbers. I'm not using uh, a real scenario. I'm just making up numbers. If a player thinks he's worth. One hundred fifty thousand, right, one hundred fifty thousand dollars. And a collective's like, no, you're worth like 40 or 50,000, 60 tops. Some of these players are looking at the collectives and they're saying, wait. What? I'm only worth that much? Wait, this guy's making this much. And that's another problem. And I think I may have said this on other shows before. Because I've had conversations with people close to the program. And some players come in there. And they're telling other players how much they're making. And they're not making 
anything near that number. And those players are going to the collective saying, well, you know, I'm hearing other players in my positional room are making this much. So we have so many other issues right now when we're looking at what you have to overcome when it comes to roster retention. And I think some of the things that I just hit on are some of the challenges for sure, for sure, that South Carolina is facing this offseason. And that's why when I bring these things up, I'm not saying, all right, it's time to go throw a friggin' parade down Main Street, celebrate the, you know, the Gamecocks 2023 offseason. No one's saying that. But I don't think people truly understand what's really taking place right now in that building, through Garnet Trust, through the other collectives, in the challenges and the hurdles that schools, not just South Carolina, but throughout the country are having to face. And I think that's another reason why we're also seeing these numbers in the transfer portal continue to climb to be historic marks year in and year out. Players are just not as educated. And yes, again, there are some good agents out there. Let me go back a little bit because I think people are going to think I was just crapping on agents. There are good agents out there. There are. Not all of them are, uh, are sleazeballs. But having said that, at this level, if you're going to educate a player, do it the right way. Don't just look at them as being a quick buck and then two, three years from, late from, uh, from now, you're not even going to have to be having a conversation with them. I think that's what scares me more than anything with some of these NIL agents because some of them, they're not that dumb. They know some of these guys aren't going to be making it to the NFL. They know that but they're going to sell that dream to these student athletes because they realize there's a possibility that they can make, you know, a couple hundred if not a couple thousand off of them being able to collect that percent. That's what scares me. When we talk about NIL agents. What else we got here? All right, let's start getting into some of the comments and questions. CWAP says it still hurts taking Mario and elevating him to SEC caliber just for him to chase a check. So I shared some of this yesterday on Gamecock Central. And what we do when it comes to these shows, we share what's going on to an extent. We give you a deeper dive if you want to head on over to GC for our subscribers. And since last Thursday, since the Juice Wells news, the number of subscribers for Gamecock Central over the last week, it has skyrocketed. So we appreciate you guys. If you haven't hopped on the train yet, again, just sign up today. It's $1 for the first month. If you don't like it, then cancel it. Cancel it. But sign up today, $1, with transfer portal, retent- roster retention, what's going on from a recruiting standpoint out of high school, the little tidbits, including what's going on with Mario Anderson currently. All of that, all of that can be found on Gamecock Central as well as basketball, baseball. Women's basketball, too, not just men's basketball. We cover it all at Gamecock Central. Having said all that, though, I think that part of it is what stings. And I've had this conversation with a couple coaches throughout college football today, FBS, FCS, their thoughts on it. And it's not strictly a a Mario thing, but it's about the scenario. 
Because what we're seeing right now with Mario Anderson, it's really, when you think about it, it's not that much different than some of the cases we've seen throughout college football. Now, Juice Wells, he was already a, a known commodity at JMU before he arrived at South Carolina. And this is when JMU was still playing in the FCS ranks. A little different, right? Mario was playing at a Division II school. But the point being is they gave him an opportunity. So this is the conversation that I've been having with some of these coaches. I said, they gave him an opportunity to show what he's worth. Do you feel like he owes anything to the university? And they said, the problem is loyalty doesn't exist anymore. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. But that's just how a lot of these college coaches feel right now. Because the problem is, talking about the roster retention, we talk about how a lot of these things are really year to year now. Mario came in here. He did what he wanted to do. He had a great season. Didn't get the amount of money that he wants. So he's going to enter his name in the portal. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just sharing with you guys how college coaches are feeling. What that feeling is out there. And it's frustrating. But that's why we're seeing we're seeing roster retention, the stories that the way they've been reported this week, the notifications about Garnet Trust signing player XYZ, why that's so important. And why they should be looked at as small victories. Simply because this is something that's going to continue to happen throughout college football. This is something that's going to continue to happen at nearly every damn school, quite frankly, to a degree. So I don't like how things went down. I think Mario's a great kid. I know he's going through a lot. I think he just posted something on social media with his girlfriend getting ready to welcome in a child in the coming days and weeks. If he feels like that is what's in the best interest for him and his family, then the more power to him. But to me, based on the conversations I've had with people that are close to the situation, Mario wasn't happy with the original number he was going to get offered to come back to South Carolina. So that number increased. It increased significantly. I think I actually put out on Gamecock Central, so I'll say it here. It actually went up times two. So I bring that up because at that point, and I put it out earlier in the week, at that point I was told things were looking really good. And I think I actually tweeted that out on Monday. I said it's not a done deal or something to the effect of this. It's not a done deal yet, but things are heading in the right direction with Mario. And a deal should be finalized within the next couple of days as early as maybe tomorrow, whatever the case I said. At that point, that's where things were. Things were going really, really good. I don't know when Mario started talking with the NIL agent. Of course, we saw him put the news out on social media yesterday in the morning. And then, of course, in the afternoon, that's when we started to find out that Mario would be entering the transfer portal. So I say those things because it was one of those, hmm, hmm, just the timeline, hmm. I have no idea 
if they came back and they they were asking for even more money than they originally asked for. I don't want to sit here and make assumptions about that. That wouldn't be fair to Mario. I think Mario's a really good kid. And I don't want to, you know, make up stuff. I don't know if it was one of those things that it wasn't even a back and forth as far as a negotiation. It was just like, all right, you know, we're out of here. I don't know. But it is frustrating. It is disappointing knowing, again, what I shared with you guys, that Mario wasn't happy with the number. Mario certainly didn't get paid the way that he should have last year. And from conversations I've had, him going into it, I think he knew that was going to be the case. He had to prove himself. And depending on who you talk to, it was one of those things. I don't think Mario was really even worried about the NIL stuff right away when he got here. And I think that's the right attitude that you have to have. And I think that's why we saw Mario be as good as he was. Because he was someone that, you know, all the blue-collared, lunch pill, put the hard helmet on each day and just go to work kind of guy. Like, that's who Mario Anderson is. So when he got here, okay, if I just ball out, everything's going to take take care of itself. And that was kind of the old notion for a lot of these players when they came to college, right? Get to college, ball out, you're going to have an opportunity to play in the NFL. Now, does that happen for everyone? Certainly not. But my whole point being is Mario knew when he got here, he had to ball out if he wanted any of that, if he wanted the opportunity to go play in the NFL. So, again, just sharing some of the things that I've been able to find out about the situation. Going back to even last week, I was told that things were looking good over the weekend. Didn't hear as much other than, you know, deals hopefully going to be put in place soon. And we're just trying to get on the same page as Mario and what his camp wants. And, but uh, but things changed. Things changed. And my colleague, Chris Clark, just put something up on social media. Uh, it's a link to Gamecock Central giving you an update on what's going on with Mario Anderson. Um, I'll just say this. It doesn't appear that things are going to change based on the things that have been talked about recently. All right. What do we got here? Skip says they gave him a shot. Talking about Mario. He gave us a year. Fear trade still sucks, but he should take the money while he can get it. No NFL future. Coming from Skip. I think the thing, too, is, and again, I'm not trying to sit here because I think Travis says, Mike, to be fair, these coaches aren't loyal either. They are always looking for the best players and really allow loyalty to get in the way of that. It's hard to fault the players about being loyal. And I think, honestly, I think the two go hand in hand. I really do. I think the two go hand in hand now more than ever, right? And I'm not specifically talking about South Carolina's fan base. Obviously, as we all know, I cover it. You guys are part of it, and you guys see it, whether it be on the message boards, where you see it on social media, that you want to be able to win right away, right? And how quickly things can turn when a coach starts losing. So I say that because this isn't like a South Carolina exclusive thing. Like This happens at practically every program especially when you're talking about power five in the sec that that leash, that leash becomes shorter and shorter. 
And I don't know if it's because we're in the transfer portal era now. It feels like it's even shorter because you look at some schools who, you know, let's look at Florida State, for example, right? And I know they're in a different conference, but just bear with me. You look at a school like Florida State a couple of years ago, they were just in the absolute dumps, right? Losing to teams like Jacksonville State. Like they were just like, it was a, it was a train wreck. And now, fast forward two years later, whatever the case may be, whenever that season was when they lost to Jackson State, they go perfect in the regular season. Win the ACC championship. We're the fifth team. The fifth team. One out of the college football playoff, and that's a story for another day that we're not going to waste our time talking about here. But the point being is, I think there's no question when you talk about some of the other schools out there that they're not looking at Florida State and being like, wait a minute, do you see what they did in the transfer portal? Why can't we do it here? And it puts more pressure on coaches. So the tough thing is, when it comes to loyalty in college sports, especially as a coach, especially for a player, I think now more than ever, and especially when we talk about NIL, transfer report, all this other stuff. This is this is the <laughs> what it really is, is this is the minor leagues. I mean, we used to joke and say, oh yeah, you know, the SEC is the minor leagues for the NFL. This is really the minor leagues now. Because now you have all these other factors to take into consideration. And for a coach, he knows, shoot, if I don't I don't get this many wins. I might not even have a place at the table next week, next year, whatever the case may be. So I don't fault the coaches. I feel bad for some of the, the players going through the process. If, if they don't want to deal with any of this, then go play a division that's a little bit lower. All right? Go play at a school in the FCS ranks that's not as high up or – Go play Division Two. I enjoyed my time at D2. Now, granted, we didn't have all this wild, wild west stuff going on, but I can promise you no one was going to offer me some of the money that's being tossed around that we've heard about at this level. So, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the unfortunate reality, and I feel bad for some of these players who aren't going to be able to experience some of the relationships that you gain with your coaches. I mean, some of you guys, I know you follow me on social media, Today's been an awesome day for me and my college teammates. We've been just talking about our college coach, Bob Chesney, being hired as head football coach at JMU today. And we are beyond happy for the, for the, for him. But that's because we developed relationships with him. And he continues to stay in contact with us. I feel bad for some of these players that they're not going to have those same opportunities simply because you know they're going to go from one school to another. And again, that's their choice. Right. That's not going to pay the bills. I get that. But there's something special to be said during those those years. And, you know, you've seen guys even like Steve Spurrier. And I know things didn't necessarily end pretty with his departure here and when he decided to leave. But I bring that up because even when he was back here a couple weeks ago, when the 2010 through 2013 teams were honored and you had guys like Connor Shaw and Steven Garcia, and some of those guys that were just back from those teams, you could just see the way that they interacted with their coach and how much enjoyment they they got from being around him. So I don't know. That's just me. So Reed says, 
So is it a done deal? Mario is gone. Sorry, late. No worries, Reed. We have some more stuff. We have some more stuff on Gamecock Central, but from Chris Clark, who's been following it. Wes and Chris have been doing a phenomenal job. I've been following with it, but they have the the latest, at least today. Bottom line, without getting too deep into it, without you know spoiling what's on the other side from the uh, subscription standpoint, it doesn't look like anything's going to change. It looks like he's going to follow through with what his plans were. So we'll see. We will see. But uh, that's what it appears to be. Jordan says, Mario's a hometown guy, though. You should ask DK how the community took care of him when he had uh, little. And I think that's a it's a great example, Jordan, that you bring up because, and I've had this conversation with not just coaches, I've had conversations with some players over the last couple of weeks. The amount of people that mention on Joyner, Luke Doty, especially the players, they look at them as examples. Now, you look at them, especially if you're a local guy and you're able to say, all right, you know, that's it, it's one thing. But even if you're not from here, right, it's not apples to apples, but you don't have to be here from here to still be able to, to be part of this community and make this place your home and be able to take advantage, as Marcus Lattimore once said when he talks to players. And this is from an interview I did when he, got hired at USC. I think this would have been back in January, 2018. You know, don't let the game use you be able to use the game as well. Something to the effect of that. And basically what he was trying to say is at some point, yeah, your playing days are going to be done here, but how can you use your time here to benefit you when your career is done? You know, I look at a guy like Ryan Brewer guy that grew up in Ohio. He's not from down here. He's made a name for himself in the fencing industry. And a lot of that success came from the fact that he was able to have pretty damn good career down here football wise, but he was able to build a lot of good relationships and people knew what Brewer was all about. So I bring these things up because I think it's important when we look at some of these guys, yeah, they're going to be making decisions that I think, unfortunately they look at and they're like, all right, I'll go get the, the check now. And it's, it's the tough part is with some of these players, you don't know the situations that they're in. So some of this money, right? We talk about fifty thousand. We talk about a hundred thousand. We talk about two hundred thousand. Whatever the case may be, this is life changing money for a lot of them. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't want to take a fifty thousand or an additional hundred thousand dollar check. I'd love to take that. But having said that, when you're in a situation with some of these guys where you're making decisions based off the money right now, right? Go get the dollar today instead of making say five ten bucks. If you stay like a week, you know, trying to make a comparison, just an analogy to it. Some of these players, because they're chasing the money right now, what they're losing, the they're losing the perspective of if they stay the course that they're on. For some of these guys, they're already on a great course. They're going to be heading exactly where they want to be. Now, that's not to say a guy like Juice Wells, and I saw someone bring up Juice's name. Darian says, my guess is they are hoping Juice stays, so they want to stay on his good side. And I think people were talking about Juice being back in the building yesterday. From my understanding, and I know that there were some people talking about the photo of Juice's car at the facility, and of course Juice was inside. From my understanding, Juice just got a haircut. That's all it was. Now, some people are going to ask, why is Juice still going into the building? 
He entered the portal. Still on scholarship right now. He's still a student at the university right now. And going back to, I think it was Darian's point, you always have to, you know, think, all right, there's a possibility that he could come back. But if he gets kicked out, I mean, how does that stuff look, right? You know, how does that stuff look? So it's an optics standpoint, too, that you're looking at. You have to make decisions. But I think that's really all that was yesterday, from my understanding. He was just in there to get a haircut. You saw the video. He was just in there to get a haircut. What else we got here? Casey says, Luke and DK will never have to buy a beer ever again in this town. Mm. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? What else we got here? I'm trying to catch up on some of this because we'll go back. Eric says a couple of these guys need to lose a fair amount of money by entering the portal. Uh, this too becomes a lesson for guys. Not every player deserves superstar money. And that's the problem too, Eric, that the reality is for some of these guys, and again, whether it be their family members, whether it be a girlfriend, whether it be an NIL agent, whether it just be some things that they've heard in the locker room because other players are saying what they're making, whether that amount is true or not. Reality is. Your value, your worth isn't dictated when it comes to college football, isn't dictated by a, okay, you're the quarterback. This is what the pay is. That's not the case. Your worth to an employer, in this case, being at the university, the collectives, all that stuff, right? Your worth is what they view you to be. And I think, unfortunately, for some of these players, and it's not just the South Carolina thing. I'll be putting out my story tomorrow, our, our yearly story. I say yearly. It's only the second year we've done it. But I'll be putting out our yearly story about how the guys who left last year from South Carolina, how they fared this season. And if I remember correctly, going back to last year, a lot of them found out the grass wasn't greener on the other side. Now, I say that because if a player decides to leave, that's on them. Like, right, they, they, they have that right based on the way these rules are written, which I told you guys I'm not in favor of, especially not with the way NIL is today. That the transfer portal is what really, really is the issue when we're talking about NIL and how they go hand in hand with each other. Because if you're able to put some parameters up, you're able to police the portal a little bit more, as far as, like I said, bring back what it used to be. You transfer out, you have to sit out a year. Watch how quickly, watch how quickly some of these deals that are going on, whether it be tampering, whether it be guys talking with agents, trying to get some leverage in some cases, because some of them are grad transfers. But watch how quickly that stuff goes out the window and how you see the numbers which, as I mentioned before, we're well over, well over a thousand FBS players currently in the portal. We're well over, or just about, I should say, if not just a little bit over, 3,000 players on all divisions in the portal currently, as of today. You watch how quickly those numbers go down. It's the misinformation. Some of it, again, coming from the players just listening to other players. But family members, NIL agents, getting in the heads of these players 
and they have this notion that their worth should be up here, right? Uh, there's other cases too. I'll use this for example. With the departure of Juice Wells, it's not going to surprise people that Juice was obviously making some pretty good coin here, right? And he was going to do pretty well too if he came back, based on the numbers I was told. He was going to make some pretty good money. Those players are aware, whether it be the exact number or ballpark, some of them. There's also some, as I alluded to before, they have no frigging clue. I mean, there's some people like, oh, yeah, Juice was making a million. Juice was not making frigging a million. He wasn't making anything close to a million. But what I'm trying to get at is they're hearing, oh, Juice is leaving. Ah, maybe I should get some more money. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. But that's been happening. Some guys already have deals in place. They didn't sign. Well, you know, Juice is leaving. Can I get a little bit more? It's not how it works. This isn't like the NFL and you have like a cap space and you're trying. No, it's not. More than anything, what these guys need to realize is just be grateful that you have an opportunity to make some money. If you don't like it, yeah, go go somewhere else. But the grass isn't going to necessarily be greener. Because ultimately, whatever you're making at this level in college, and if Juice goes to Texas, Juice, Juice goes to Tennessee, wherever Juice ends up, I'm sure Juice is going to do very good. That's the point that no one wants to talk about, and I get. But Juice will probably do very, he'll be good. But even at this level, the amount of money that you're going to have a chance to make at that next level in the NFL, you can't even compare to this. So for some of these guys, I, I again, I get it to a degree. We're talking about some of this, some of these numbers, but because they're not ed educated about it, I think uh, it confuses them a little bit as to what the ultimate goal should be. We got Casey. If Florida can't keep Trevor, is there any hope for us bringing in big names? Or are we stuck sorting through Juco D2 to find the affordable talent? I don't think so. I think one thing that people are getting confused about is I think they equate talent with money now that's not to say that some of these guys aren't going to cost you some 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 coin right but at the same time too not all these guys are looking at it the exact same way without giving away names and i think i said this on tuesday i have like a grocery list of names players who i've been getting intel on at south carolina as far as what they're thinking, I mean, some of these guys, including like Debo Williams, you know, Debo, there's a possibility that he was looking at the NFL. That's something that's not really being talked about right now. I'll tell you that. He's, he was looking, you know, about the possibility of going there, wanted to know what his draft grade would be. And that's something fairly new still that players have the opportunity to do that. That wasn't the case back in the day. So I bring those things up because you have players right now that from these lower level schools, as I mentioned before, from these lower level level schools that I think they have this stigma associated with them simply because, oh, they played at this division. They played at that division. Have we seen the talent that have come in here and have done some pretty good things at South Carolina? We have. We've seen a lot in, the, in a short period of time. 
We've seen it at other schools. And it's not just D2. It's not just JUCO. JUCO has been going on for years with the talent. I'm talking more so Group 5 FCS. And as I mentioned before, some people get so frigging caught up with the idea of, wait a minute, we're bringing this guy in from Harvard, or we're bringing this guy in from the Ivy League, or we're bringing this guy in from Furman, whatever the case may be. The stars really mean absolutely nothing after they've been here in college, say, you know, two, three years. It really means nothing. Doesn't. And as I said before, I'd rather have someone that dominated in the FCS ranks for two, three years and comes here and you have him for a year or two, depending on their status, compared to a guy that was just riding the bench out of Kentucky or Florida, you know, whatever. And I keep just using those schools for examples, but they were a four-star coming out of high school. But I think some people get so caught caught up with it um, and they get frustrated when they see some of the players that South Carolina is bringing in. The issue with South Carolina last season, it wasn't there, – there's certainly a case to be made that they could have done a little bit more in the portal at certain positions. There's no question about that. No question about that. However, the other issue was they were just so freaking banged up. They were banged up. Now, in hindsight, yes, we could sit here and be like, well, if they went out into the portal, I get that but no one could have predicted some of these injuries. So when you combine injuries with youth, you got what you saw last season in a lot of positions. So yeah, there's no question. USC has to do a better job of being more cognitive of what their blind spots are. I think it's evident with certain positions right now that we can see what some of those blind spots are, what some of those weaknesses are, I think they have a better idea of some of them. But I also think, too, that um, the talent that USC has accumulated from a recruiting standpoint last year, year, and then obviously this upcoming year they're going to be bringing in, but over the last two years, really, I think you're going to start to see it a little bit more because they're not going to be the young guys on the block anymore. And some of those guys, unfortunately, as we saw, they had to be thrown right into the mix whether it be a Luatos and Bubalade on the offensive line, whether it be Javon Baugh, whether it be a guy like Pop Howard, whether it be a guy like Judge Collier. And we can keep going down the list, some of these names that were these young players that were in the uh, thrown in there. So that's what we'll do. Uh, I see a question about coaches, and I'll hit on that, then we'll wrap things up. So where we're at right now with that and just something that people need to keep in mind from everything that I've been told right now, the coaches have been all on the recruiting trails and that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be back next season. Some of them, um, where we're at though, is we have what 13 days until national signing day, early national signing day. We have, Try and do the math here in my head. We have, what, 28 days, so about four weeks left of the month. The contracts for these coaches, their calendar year, right? It's not an academic year. They're calendar year things. As of right now, four of those coaches, their contracts are set to expire at the end of the year. That means if we're going to see some of these contracts get renewed, it's going to have to go through 
a board of trustees meeting and stuff like that is going to have to take place over the next couple of weeks before that December 31st date. Those coaches whose contracts are set to expire, and I think we did this on Tuesday, but just to remind anybody, and since you brought the question up, right now from a contract standpoint, as far as guys whose contracts are going to expire at the end of the month, you have strength and conditioning coach Luke Day, you have tight end coach Jody White, you have wide receivers coach Justin Stepp, and you have defensive line coach Travion Robertson. Now, as we know, Robertson came in this past year, but it was a one-year deal. The other three guys, including strength and conditioning coach Luke Day, their contracts are set to expire at the end of this year. Now, Monterio Hardesty, his contract is set to expire at the end of next season. Clayton White, his contract is set to expire at the end of 2025. I mean, we could sit here and do this for every freaking coach, but I think you get the point. Problem uh, Point being is South Carolina right now, and it goes back to one of the things we talked about with loyalty. And this isn't just you know limited to what USC is doing. I think this is happening throughout college football. And it's not saying that, oh, USC is trying to be deceiving. And William, just to clarify, no one's saying that anyone like certain player coaches are leaving that I just mentioned of those four with the uh, contracts expiring. It's just to remind folks that contracts are coming up. Going back to the loyalty part, if you're South Carolina, if you're some of these schools out there and you have early national signing day, you're kind of put in a really tough spot. Because especially right now, right, you're getting ready for a bowl game If for some of these schools. South Carolina, they're not getting ready for a bowl game. But for some of these schools, you're getting ready for a bowl game. Then you have the transfer portal opening up on this past Monday. Then you have early national signing day towards the end of December. You have all these things going on, never mind the fact that you have contracts. And a lot of schools are very similar with it being calendar year deals. So I mentioned that. Right, We can take out the bowl part of it for South Carolina. But you're also seeing the recruiting trail start to open up. That's why you're seeing some of these photos with coaches making in-home visits with some of these prospects. So, again, if you're a head football coach and you're trying to figure out, okay, and, and, and I'm not saying you have to do it this way because we've seen other schools certainly move on from some some um some coaches already but you're trying to figure out what can i do to make sure that i have the guys that we have been recruiting for months make sure that they're still here and that's one of the things that i think we're seeing with some schools again i'm not specifically talking about south carolina but some of these schools will retain coaches most likely until signing day until at least this year it would be december 20th so that they can have the player sign on the dotted line. And then a player, at that point, they're yours. They're yours. And if you fire a coach, you move on from a coach, whatever the case may be, that happens. Now, I explained this a little bit on Tuesday. We'll use the number 200,000, right? We'll use the number 200,000. The way that a lot of these coaches' contracts are written, as far as assistant coaches go and strength and conditioning coach, if they were to be fired, before the end of their contract. Now, in this case, if their contract's ex, uh, set to expire at the end of the month, obviously that amount of money isn't going to be anywhere close in comparison to, say, like a um, 
Monterio Hardesty, who has another additional year, right? I'm just explaining how some of this stuff works. But let's say you have another year left. If your buyout is 200000 if you decide to go to another school, another school brings you in, you decide to leave South Carolina, you are going to have to, as I say you, it could be the other school, are going to have to pay South Carolina that 200000 Now, if you get fired, your contract gets terminated, USC is going to have to owe you that 200000 So, again, we're talking about some of these coaches. Those things are things just to keep in mind and why some of the numbers play out the way they do. Why are, you know, this guy still – I I do think there will be some changes to the staff. I expect that to happen. We were told going back to last Thursday to keep an eye on some things between Thursday and Monday. Uh, Certainly nothing took place, but – I think it was shortly after I got off the show. That was one of the things that I was kind of told. I was like, hey, look, the way that it's looking right now, probably going to get through these next couple of weeks simply because this is an important time right now from a recruiting standpoint. And it also gives coaches, too, who might feel who might feel some type of pressure that their job's on the line, that they have an opportunity to be able to get another job elsewhere. So – We will keep you posted on that, but as far as where we are today, no changes on that front. No changes on that front. Well, if you're just joining us, folks, appreciate it. If you missed the majority of our show, no worries. You can head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, sign up today. You can hit the little bell notification. Anytime one of these GC Live shows or any video from Gamecock Central drops, you'll get a little ding on your phone or wherever you watch it. Watch it on the laptop, boom, you got it. Uh, If you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central podcast platform where you can find all of these shows as well as the 107.5 The Game appearances that Gamecock Central does weekly. And honestly, it's practically daily at this point on 107.5 The Game. But as we always do, make sure we want to thank our sponsors. Today's sponsor, as it always, is our good friend Clint Hammond over at Movement Mortgage. If you're in the process of purchasing a home, you know that trying to find the lowest rate on the market, it hasn't been easy. And it has been that way for quite some time. Over the last year plus, Clint and his team do a tremendous job of being able to help you out. So that, that rate and anything else you have questions about, when you're trying to purchase a new home, just like our very own Wes Mitchell and also former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth and his wife Shannon, when they were out there purchasing homes, they used Clint, and Clint was able to make that process for them a hell of a lot easier. Give 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 Clint a call at 803-771-6933. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Liberty Tax. It's not tax season quite yet, but before you know it, well, we're going to be in the year 2024. In January, we'll slowly get into February, March. We're going to get in there. Spring season's right around the corner. Tax season's right around the corner. Give them a call right now. Start to get organized so that come this tax season, you're going to be looking pretty, and you're going to be able to overcome any tax anxiety you have this year. That number is 803-462-5576. All right, everybody. Appreciate you guys tuning in today. Apologize that we weren't able to get to everyone's comments and questions today. Try to do the best we could. There was a lot of them. I didn't pull up a good bit, so I apologize for that. 
what is on the docket, though? What should you guys be looking out for over the next couple days? Well, as some of you already know, if you're following Gamecock Central, we will continue. We'll continue to post updates as far as where South Carolina stands with the portal. At this point, I'm not expecting any more additional players to enter the portal, but like I said before, like I said before, for South Carolina, like I said before, these are things based on conversations that I've been having going back to last week. All it takes, as I talked to one individual yesterday, and they were like, this is what really stinks about things. Things could be heading in a positive direction. You could have a deal in place, especially one of these NIL deals with Garnet Trust. All it takes is one phone call overnight to change that player's mind now. And it it's the reality of where college football is. And again, I'm not crazy about some of it, but that's just where we're at. So as I sit here today and I say I don't expect any additional players to enter the portal, maybe a backup player or two, maybe someone that hasn't really been playing that much, maybe. I mean, I was told that there's probably going to be about 15 players to enter the portal. We're up to 17 right now. So I'm not going to be shocked if we see an additional player or two over these next couple weeks enter the portal from a depth standpoint, guys that weren't necessarily going to be starters. But I think right now, based on what I've been told, South Carolina is in good shape. But again... We're in this new era now. All it takes is one phone call. All it takes is one person to tamper, one program to tamper. And as I said many, many times before, the unfortunate reality about tampering is, yes, we know what's going on. It's very difficult, very difficult to get concrete evidence to prove said school is tampering. And that's what you need more than anything. You need concrete evidence. And... Well, some of you probably will sit here and depending on what school I would say, you're going to say, oh, those guys are idiots. They might be some schools, but a lot of them are smart enough to know that if you're going to do something to the effect of that, not to put anything down in paper. Now, having said that, I think I shared the story on Tuesday. There was a story about a player. I'm not saying specifically at South Carolina. I'm just talking about college football in general that I heard a couple months back. They had a deal with one school, got themselves a car. That school was not supposed to get that player car yet, simply because they were still in high school. Well, what happens? What happens? Well, that player decides to flip and he goes to another school. But because there's no contract in place, can't get the car back. Can't get the car back. Don't you hate when those things happen? Mm-mm-mm. Play by the rules, folks. Play by the rules. Again, appreciate everyone that tuned in today. We'll keep you guys updated. Chris and Wes and myself, we will. We have a lot going on as far as what players to keep an eye on. And uh, I'm sure that those two will talk about it a little bit more tomorrow on Gamecock Central. Um, guys who South Carolina have official visits planned for. Um, we also know in case any of you missed it, Rocket Sanders, the transfer running back at Arkansas, six foot two, 242 pounds. He is set to take an official visit 
to South Carolina this weekend. So any updates we have on him, we will keep you posted. You know, now real quickly about Rocket, especially with the news with Mario Anderson, because that's a position that South Carolina will certainly need to add depth to, especially experience step, because when you look at it from a scholarship standpoint, you have Daniel Hill. Excuse me, you're still going after Daniel Hill. <laughs> Some people probably like, Mike, what did you just say? Still going after Daniel Hill. But the guys that are currently there, you have Juju McDowell's coming back from a broken collarbone. You have DJ Braswell, who I thought did some incredible things in the short amount of time that we saw him this year. The true freshman, he'll be in that room. And then after that, it's you don't have scholarship guys in that room. Now, Matthew Fuller, I know there's been rumbles that other schools are trying to come in. <laughs> what happens when you have a guy that is ranked 11th now in the country at the position? Everyone starts to look at him a little bit differently. So that's what's going on with Matthew Fuller. Hopefully the Gamecocks will continue to be able to keep them off and ultimately be able to get him to sign sooner rather than later as we approach National Signing Day in less than two weeks. And then, of course, I mentioned Daniel Hill. Gamecocks are still... Heavily in the mix for, but I say all that because even if you bring in Daniel Hill, even if you bring in a guy like Matthew Fuller, yes, you have Juju, and yes, you have DJ Braswell, but you really don't have that much experience in that room. So being being able to bring a guy in like Rocket Sanders, again, regardless of how the rest of South Carolina's recruiting class looks like from a running back standpoint, Sanders would be able to do just that. Now. Real quickly, as Wes, my colleague Wes Mitchell, wrote yesterday, you know, injuries in a new offense kept Sanders from reaching his full potential in 2023, but he was one of the country's best running backs in 2022, rushing for over 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns to go along with 28 receptions for 271 yards and two scores. Now, of course, Offensive coordinator Dal Loggins, he has a relationship with Sanders to a degree. He wasn't the OC, of course, in Arkansas, but he was the tight ends coach. Um, so he also has also has some, you know, connections with him. He also has connections too with Justin Stepp, South Carolina's wide receiver coach, who was once upon a time at Arkansas as well. All right, again, appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Go back, YouTube, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. If you're a podcast listener, you'll be able to catch this show in its entirety. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, folks, and have a great weekend.